You are listening to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Well, where do we start this week? Um, it feels like events in Westminster and indeed in Europe uh, move at breakneck speed. Next Friday, Britain is uh, will be on course to leave the European Union without a deal. And we are now waiting to see what comes out of the various last-minute negotiations in Parliament and in Europe to see whether or not that will happen. And at the time of recording, there, there is various discussions going on about Theresa May's meaningful vote free and also the prospect of various delays um, to Brexit under certain conditions. On this week's podcast, we're going to be looking at public opinion on the various options that seem to be available um, to, to move forward and seeing what the public think and where we might go from here. And to go through all of those numbers, I'm joined as ever by co-host Leo Brassi. Leo, welcome back to the show. Hello, Kieran. So obviously this is a this is a polling podcast, as I always say, the old cliche, and we, we look at the numbers and things. But before we get into any of that, I mean, what have you made of the last week? It, I mean, it's something that everyone sort of seems to say, but it's it's been really, um, really amazing to watch, hasn't it? It's very hard to see where we go from here. Well, it's all going exactly to Theresa May's plan, isn't it? <laughs> I thought you might say I, something like that. Well, I mean, you know, I, jo I joke, but, um, you know, I've always said that um, the the kind of sensible or logical plan that she seemed and I think still is following is just run down the clock, get it as close to the wire as possible and then hope that people are going to jump. Now, I, I guess... If I'm honest, when I started saying that a year ago, I didn't think that it would look like this and it would get this close to the wire and be be this scary. But, you know, you followed the logic through and she's doing exactly what she was always going to uh, be trying to do. And I guess this is the inevitable consequence. It felt to me, though, the tone after... So we're recording this on Thursday, the 21st. The, the tone of her statement last night and the way that was received didn't go down very well, right? So, I mean, she's lost two crunching votes on her deal yes of course she got a bit closer in the second uh, vote I mean, why would we have any confidence that that's going to be won next time yeah and what's interesting about her tone right is that she seemed quite explicitly to be going beyond talking to the people who are actually going to be voting on the deal and trying to talk to the voters so i guess ultimately the people who could re-elect or not elect those people so going over the head of parliamentarians to talk to the public you know something that you i guess do in a in a presidential system rather than the parliamentary system normally um but she's tried it um i guess the interesting question is how plausible it uh, voters are going to find it like you, you know the message that um mps are the are the enemy here yeah i mean i mean we're going to get into the numbers in a bit i mean i so the, the new Ipsos Mori political monitors come out this week and it shows that 65% think May is doing a bad deal, uh, doing a bad job, sorry, of negotiating um, Brexit. And we'll come on to some of the her leader ratings and the ratings of the government later in this show. But to me, it seems like she's appealing to the public from a very weak um, position. You know, you can, you can debate whether or not that's fair um, to classify her as such, but it does seem like... I don't see why the public's going to flock to her on, mm. on, on, on this issue, just because you know, she's an unpopular leader, things aren't going very well, she's appealing to the country, I'm not sure the country's listening. 
But fundamentally, the argument that she's making is one that the public are reasonably on side, aren't they? Which is, uh, we just want to get this thing over. Let's just get a deal passed and then we can put Brexit behind us. And uh, anyone who's holding this up, who's stopping it happening, is frustrating the will of the people. I mean, that's that's not entirely wrong, is it? If you just look at it like that, that people want Brexit to be over generally. It's an argument, but I think, as we'll come to, I'm not sure that people by her making it but look let's get let's get into the numbers in this show because i think that there's a lot of attention around public opinion on brexit for obvious reasons so one of the things we want to do today is to look at some of the big questions people might have um and then see if we can answer them with data so let's go through some of the key ones so i mean where, where, where do you think we should start um well why don't we look at this this question so if there isn't a deal um then who is seen to be responsible for that Okay, so that's that's numbers that I mean, that's numbers we've uh, coincidentally got from the Ipsos Mori political monitor this week. Um, so the question we asked was, and um, so if Britain and other European Union leaders fail to reach an agreement on the uh, new terms of Britain's uh, future relationship with the EU by the time Britain leaves, um, which two or three of the following, if any, do you think will be the most to blame? So really, that that's the that's the question wording. But the idea is, who would you blame for No Deal? One of the striking things this week is that um, there's been a big surge in people saying that the government would be to blame. So 48% say that they would blame the government. That's up 13 points from the last time that that was asked in December, uh, to December 2018. Uh, and, and without throwing too many numbers at the listener, um, so the, the next couple were the Conservative MPs, uh, 35%, the European Union, 32%, Brexit campaigners, 28%, Labour Party, 23 remain 23 remain campaigners 23 and i guess what what we've seen there is the if this was a race not a race you'd want to win um the uk government has surged uh in, in terms of the blame game and then it's notable okay by three points over the eu but it's notable that the conservative conservative mps are runner up there so for me i think that i don't know if there's going to be no deal obviously there's ongoing discussions um about extensions and debates about whether parliament can or can't stop no deal and all that sort of thing and look things move on very quickly so i don't want to pass judgment on a lot of that but what i would say it's very notable that the government and the conservative mps are in the top two for who the public would blame for no deal so I guess if, if uh, Theresa May is planning on um, blaming Europe uh, for an eventual no deal, if that's what happens, I'm not sure the public are going to be receptive to that. And it sort of comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this um, show. She might appeal um, to the public to back her over Brexit. But actually, if things all go south, people seem more and more inclined to blame the government and, the, and by proxy, obviously, her. And that has mm. political consequences, right? Mm. And this is really interesting, right? Because I think, you know, despite the sort of... Uh, the thought that this is this is all sort of was part of the plan ultimately um it does feel like no deal is closer to being a reality than it's than it's ever seemed i mean this is no longer just an academic question of sort of you know the threats hanging over to the over them but actually this is genuinely the thing that could be affecting how people see the government within 10 days of now yes and i think i i we, look, we both follow this very closely of course but when I when I look at what journalists are saying and what politicians are saying about what happens next week, I'm not convinced people know. I mean, there's a lot of procedural things going on in Parliament around, you know, can 
um, can parliaments, uh, quote unquote, take control of the situation and uh, force um, a revoking of Article 50, let's say, the day before, if, if that's the only option available? And it's not really clear to me that that can happen. I'm not saying it can't again, but just when you look at the analysis on this, I don't think people necessarily know what happens. And in that context, it's very easy to see how almost by accident Britain could crash out with no deal. Again, things may move on um, very quickly. But in public opinion terms, it's really important. We, we can't stress enough how much the public think this is going badly. They may be divided over whether Brexit was the right decision or the wrong decision or how they would vote in another referendum, let's say. But, I mean, we, we're looking at numbers like 85% think the government is doing a bad job at negotiating Brexit. 77% say that they're not confident in Theresa May reaching um, a good deal with the EU. I mean, look, there are all sorts of numbers out there to this effect. But if you want to unite the country, um, get, get, ask them how Brexit's going and they'll say badly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's... Uh, it, 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 <laughs> That's the context in which this the government is trying to sell its actions, and it's obviously very divided in doing so. Anyway, let's talk a bit about. Um, so, so we know Brexit's going badly, okay, and we know, and there's some interesting numbers about who would be to blame well, for no deal. Well, seen to be going badly, you know, you don't want to be putting your value judgment. I mean, who knows? We might look back and think that this was a masterstroke of negotiation. Well, we'll come to, we'll come to that actually, because I think later on, because it, yeah, it is true that if Theresa May does get the deal through. And seem to have conquered all among against all odds. Then you know the public likes a comeback, but we'll come back. Well, to actually, I know I know we're going to come back to that, but I, I do think that's a really relevant point given this debate, given what she just did about pointing the finger at MPs and antagonising them, because there will surely be a lot of wavering Labour MPs who would, in some circumstances, be people who might vote for the deal just to avoid no deal. Now, given what you just said, which I think is absolutely true, that if May gets her deal through surely she's going to be seen as ultimately having been successful. It's going to uh, rehabilitate her reputation. She'll probably get a boost in the polls. She'll be seen as, as the the leader who succeeded. Now, if you're a Labour MP who was considering holding your nose, but just now feels so antagonistic towards May because of what's, uh, what she did this week, then I wonder whether just that personal sort of animosity that they might have at the moment might be a thing that tips them back into, into voting no. Well, yes, and and if you think that actually the battle isn't over whether the meaningful vote three, if you're going to call it that, passes, but actually who's to blame for it not because you assume it won't, then that's gonna that's gonna cloud people's judgments too. Um, yeah, I mean, I think everything you said is right. If Theresa May gets a deal through and everything sort of calms down a bit to the extent that it can, I'd fully expect her to get a boost in the polls. But as we'll come to later, it's from a very low base. Um, but let's talk about her deal. I mean. The, one of the reasons, one of the reasons um, that it doesn't look very likely that she's going to get things through is because the deal's um, pretty unpopular. But you've been looking at some of the numbers around her deal, haven't you, to sort of try and clarify what the public actually think about it? Because maybe it's a bit more complicated than just Brexit's going badly, her deal's bad, or is it? Yeah, you tell it, me. Yeah, ex ex exactly. So um, I, I think it probably has got a. A worse reputation in terms of public opinion than is deserved so when it's asked in isolation people tend to say they don't like it so for example a YouGov poll from about a week ago found only six percent said that it was a good deal for Britain um, and 62 percent said either not a very good deal but probably the best we could get or not a very good deal and uh, we could have got a better one so 
really bad numbers. And if anything, that the numbers have been slightly moving away from the deal. So in isolation, it doesn't do very well. And when you put it up in a hypothetical referendum against the other options, so uh, leave without a deal or remain, then it generally comes last. So if you look at it on the face of it, then I think you could represent public opinion as saying that people just really don't like and don't want this deal. Um, but I'm not convinced that that is the best or at least the only way of interpreting it. Because if you if you set up questions that allow people to say, essentially, I don't like it, but I have to go along with it, um, or just like, this is this is acceptable, it's not my first choice, but I think we should just take it, then you do get more sympathy. Um, so, for example, YouGov have another question that asks very good outcome, fairly good outcome, acceptable compromise, very bad outcome, uh, or uh, uh, sorry, fairly bad outcome or very bad outcome. And that has now moved in the latest poll to acceptable compromise being the single top option, which is on and it's on 27 percent. If you add that to fairly good and very good outcome, you get 40%, which is the same as you get saying a bad outcome. So actually, the public are more like evenly split on whether or not they think it's acceptable or even good. Um, and then the other poll that, that is useful to look at on this is one that, that we talked about a little while ago, which is uh, Matt Singh's number cruncher politics poll that he did for, for Bloomberg uh, a couple of months ago. And um, that, as well as asking um, how people would vote in a in a referendum with the three options, it asked whether each of the options were acceptable or unacceptable. And it found that the deal was the single most acceptable and had the biggest gap between acceptable and unacceptable. So it had 49% acceptable, 30% unacceptable. Um, and that's, the others were six points and seven points respectively. So although, it has few fans. It also has perhaps the fewest critics, so, or, or at least relatively few. So um, it's, I think it's not loved, but it's also hated much less than, than people tend to suggest when they uh, try and talk about public opinion on it. So what you've got is a situation where people think that May and the government are doing Brexit wrong or, or, or managing it badly, but actually they're reasonably... I don't know if content's the right word, but that it would be acceptable for her deal to actually get through. So that's a, it's an interesting um, juxtaposition, isn't it, in terms of public opinion? You know, it's like May's doing badly, but actually we'd be quite okay with her deal getting through. And then I suppose, like you say, if she does, things could change quite rapidly. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess people aren't going to love it, but um, you could well see an argument, uh, a sort of storyline developing that, um, she fought incredibly difficult odds. Um, she had a plan that she stuck from the start to the end and it worked and there was never going to be a deal that people would love. But here is a deal and most leavers in the Tory party say, well, we don't love it, but we're going to work with it to try and make it the Brexit that we want. Probably even a lot of Tory Remainers say we didn't really want it, but you know what? Uh, the civil war's over. It's time for us to rally behind our new leader, whoever that might be. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about that in a minute. Um, and, um, you know, suddenly the Tory party's united. Much of the media um, starts uh, start saying that May's done well and things look very different. 
Okay, so let's let's move on. So there's lots of um, different sort of public opinion related topics to cover. So, um, all right, let's let's talk about Brexit itself then as a concept. We've talked about it going badly. We've talked about Theresa May's deal, um, but let's take a step back and think about um, the idea of Brexit and, and that sort of thing. So, where where should we go from here? Well, so one of the arguments that I hear is. Um, pro-leave commentators, campaigners say, well, we don't want another referendum, but you know what? If we did, then leave would win bigger. Um, And actually, you know, it's an argument you also hear from some Remain sympathetic people who say, uh, let's not have it now because, you know, we're just going to lose more badly. I mean, where where do you think opinion is on that? So I think in, in answering this question, we have to hold our hands up and say, look, the context of such a referendum and, and and who's leading which side and what the messaging is, they're all very important things. So it's very hard to say with any definitive certainty um, who would win next time and whether there'd be a big shift one way or another because there's a big difference between, uh, I don't know, a no-deal Brit in the midst of a no-deal Brexit that's gone terribly and there being somehow as a referendum versus... I don't know, Jeremy Corbyn's prime minister and, you know, is putting leave versus remain. You know, there's all, all sorts of different circumstances where another referendum could happen. And, you know, we, we've got to we've got to sort of also say we don't know what the question would be. So there's lots of caveats you can put in place. However, I mean, I don't want to caveat ourselves out of saying anything interesting. I mean, when, when I hear this argument from uh, journalists and sort of Brexit campaigners that leave would win bigger next time, the one thing I would say is I really don't know where the evidence for that is. So from a, from a strict leave versus remain perspective, John Curtis has his poll of polls on what UK thinks on on, on, you know, on Brexit. And uh, the current poll of polls says uh, 53% remain, 47% leave. Now, we've got to be careful about averaging different pollsters in some circumstances. But that's a pretty good typical number that you tend to get if you uh, do a straight leave versus remain. And that that is a complicated headline number because it's often based on a lot of new voters swinging the balance from leave to remain rather than people um, switching from one side to another. So there are some leave to remain switches, that is true, Um, but we've talked about on this podcast before that the the, the six-point lead, if you like, comes from people that didn't vote last time voting next time, which could be younger voters who who we know younger voters skew remain as it is, who didn't have a chance to um, to vote last time, or it could be non-voters who maybe, I don't know, let's say... Um, didn't think it was a, important to, to vote and therefore... Yeah, know, it's, it's, I mean, the point you've made on this before, right, is that this is not based on a turnout filter, so it doesn't say how likely would you be to turn out and then cut everyone who's one to five or whatever. No, no, and look... You would get in the poll a week before the referendum. There, there is, it's really important to say, to be cautious, and I'm the first... People that listen to this show regularly or follow me on Twitter will know I'm, the mo- I'm one of the most cautious people about this idea that Remain would just, you know, would come in and win next time if there was another referendum. But on the same, but to flip that the other way, this idea that Leave would win by a bigger margin next time is also a bit sort of highly speculative, shall we say? Because if you think about it, mechanically, for that to happen, you'd have to have a good chunk of Remainers voting Leave next time, wouldn't you? I mean, okay, you could argue that no one from Remain and Leave changes their mind and lots of non-voters come in and make leave win bigger next time but i just don't think that's particularly credible and all the evidence is that any new voters that didn't vote last time would skew remain at the moment so i don't see any evidence from data that says leave would win bigger next time basically so um the context of that vote what the referendum question is and so on if it ever happens is very important but i don't i think this is something that leave campaigners say i see no evidence in fact in terms of the data um 
But let's 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 talk about um, the idea of this referendum itself, because that, that's that's even more complicated. So, what do we know about the idea of a second referendum? Because it's going to come up again and again and again. It feels like a, peop- a hashtag people's vote is dead at the moment. But I, I suspect this is going to be a policy discussion that's never going to fully go away. So what do we know about it? So we have seen many times that it depends hugely on the wording of the question. So, um, again, uh, our Lord Sir Professor John Curtis hmm. has um, compiled all the different ways of asking and um, off the top of my head, it's things like if you talk about putting it to the people and um, having a final say and people's vote and so on, then it tends to do better if you talk about a second referendum or another vote or talking about um, staying after all, it tends to do badly. So there is a huge element to which the popularity of having another vote does depend on how you ask the question. I think there's some evidence that it's it's ticking up slightly uh, towards it being a bit more popular. Um, but there was one question that, that I just noticed that um, really stood out for me because I think it's, it's the kind of question that a month ago we w- would have probably not invested much time in because it didn't seem that relevant. Um, but I'm not so sure now. And it was this in a recent YouGov poll, and I should be clear, this is a YouGov poll for the People's Vote campaign, uh, so we should scrutinise the wording quite carefully. But um, the fact it was by the it was for the People's Vote campaign doesn't mean that it's there's anything methodologically dodgy about the polling itself. Yeah, and it said, if Britain looks set to leave the EU without a deal. Would you support or oppose a public vote on whether Britain should leave without a deal or stay as a member of the EU? Now, that for me feels like a scenario that is increasingly possible. I think you know we're certainly in the, in a territory where that could well happen. We could well be facing that in little over a week's time. Um, and the fact that the wording says stay as a member of the EU makes me think that um, this is you know, a, a wording that is not wildly favorable to yes for a referendum you know so um, when you ask people do you want to stay and um, that tends to actually bring down the spot for the referendum so it's one option that's plausible there's another option that's not um uh, hugely skewing it anyway and it gets 50 percent support 36 percent oppose so it feels like if the option really is now no deal and that that is basically what's on the table then the support for a for a vote on that versus remaining is perhaps much stronger. I mean, the fourteen point gap is large given the debates that have been had about whether or not people would want to vote. Well, this sort of, these numbers feel like they they back up what we see in referendum polling that says, okay, if you had to choose between Theresa May's deal or or no deal, or if you had to choose between remain and no deal, I mean, the gap between leave and remain in that circumstance. Um, does grow. I mean, people are more uh, inclined to say they would support remain over leave, if you like, if leave is no deal and remain is obviously remain. Um, so I think the wor- the question wording you've put to me there, it feels very, um, very similar in that regard. It's just talking about a referendum as opposed to um, the actual outcome of that referendum. And I suppose if you add those numbers that you've talked about there to the numbers we talked about earlier, which, which said that, you know, if there was no deal, people would blame the government and Conservative MPs more than anybody else. It does sort of add weight to the idea that I don't know, maybe maybe leave uh, Brexiters, <clears throat> maybe Brexiteers in Parliament ought to be uh, considering backing the deal. Otherwise, public opinion might move in directions that they're not uh, that they're not particularly happy with. But um, again, you know, these are fluid situations. So okay, so we're heading to a point where 
uh, the Tories can see, or the government in general can see that the no deal is uh, potentially very damaging for them in terms of public opinion. Um, but it still still seems quite possible that the meaningful vote, if it happens next week, um, will be lost for the government. The EU might well say that without that vote um, passing, then the government needs to do something else in order to get an extension if it's to avoid a no deal. So that sort of leads me to conclude a thing that I have generally avoided believing for a while because I didn't see a very plausible path to it, which is that maybe we really are facing a general election sooner rather than later. Um, so if that's right, then I guess the sort of the, the questions to look at are where the parties are standing and what might happen if we are really about to have another general election, Kieran. Something to look forward to. I'm sure everyone <laughs> everyone's on tender hooks for that. Um, so again, to, to shamelessly plug my new organisation's numbers, uh, I tweeted that about this earlier, and I think that it got a bit of attention. So um, yeah, some interesting numbers there. But uh, we ask about satisfaction with how the government's running the country, and also satisfaction with how the prime minister's doing her job in this case, and how the leader of the opposition is doing his job in you know his job in this case, uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Um, and what we see, and the way I'm the way I'm characterising this is, it's a bit like John Major's government running against uh, Michael Foote's opposition. Now, some people <laughs> below the line. <laughs> That's a good line. Um, some people have got a bit upset. Uh, some of these, I don't know if they're bots or what they are, but you know, avatars uh, get upset about this comparison. Oh, it's a terrible comparison. It's nothing like who's, that. Who's who's uh, who? They, do they think you're being unfair on? I'm not quite sure. I think it's just that they don't like. I think it's a lazy comparison or something. But all, all I'm all I'm talking about is the in public opinion terms, because the Ipsos Mori political monitor goes back to 1979. Um, and we can look at you know how all those op- leaders of the opposition ever since then and all the prime ministers and governments since then have um, have fared on this measure. So it's some good tracking data. And what we see is that the net satisfaction with the government right now and how it's running the country is minus 75 that means that it sounds quite bad. Is that bad? <laughs> That's pretty bad. It's 86% are dissatisfied, uh, 11% are satisfied, and if you take one away from the other, that's obviously minus 75. It's only been worse once. That was under John Major in uh, 1994, shortly after the cash for questions scandal broke. Although we, don't, you know, correlations, not causation, etc. And he had a rating of uh, minus 78. So very, very bad. And that month, when John Major got that record, uh, Labour were 39 points ahead ahead in the polls on 61. Now, to be a strict sort of pedant about this, the voting attention figures there, you can't compare directly because when Ipsos did them then, they had all voters. Now it's um, 9 or 10 out of 10 certain to vote. and So there's different screening criteria there in terms of uh, what a voter is but still that doesn't that doesn't sound particularly important no uh, i mean I'm, I'm just doing the polling matters wonkish thing but but look i mean ultimately um, you had the labor party further ahead in the polls than the uh, 39 points than the actual total vote share tories have now which is 38 um so you get a bit of an idea of how things are quite different by the way in today in, in this week's poll the tories were four points ahead but we'll come back to that on the on the flip side um Jeremy Corbyn has a, a, a sort of net satisfaction rating with a job he's doing of minus 50, which is up from minus 55 last month. 
Um, but it's not far off from the minus 56 that Michael Foote got in August of 1982, which was the big record, the worst uh, any leader of the opposition has got since 1979. And that was about a month or two after Britain had just uh, won the Falklands War. So um, you can sort of understand a bit of the context there. So it is very much a kind of plague on both your houses at the moment that kind of makes any general election really unpredictable. I think it's, and by by being unpredictable, obviously I'm not going to make a prediction, but what I would say is that with the no-deal no numbers earlier that suggested that if there is a no-deal, people are inclined to, to, to um, blame the government for that, that I, I would um, expect, if you like, if there is a no-deal Brexit and an election out of that, then um, at least on the numbers as they stand, that's more likely to benefit Labour than the Conservatives. But, I mean, with both of them so unpopular, and not just a, li- not just a little bit unpopular, we're talking record-breaking almost on both ends of the scale, it really does make any election potentially very volatile. Um, I'd rather be Labour than the Conservatives, personally, um, but I'm not going to take that to the bank either. Yeah, so I guess I have three points on this. So the first is sort of a direct response to your um, to how, where you finished there. Um, if in almost any situ- situation that comes out now, May gets a deal through or there's no deal, then surely May is resigning very soon afterwards. But um, if, you know, so here's, here's another situation. The meaningful vote is lost. The, the um, EU say, we'll give you an extension, but only if you promise to have a general election within six months or, or something like that. I don't know how that would work in practice, not sure what that would look like, not sure if that could be acceptable in the context of British politics. But anyway, let's say that there, there will be a general election. Theresa May is not fighting as leader of the, of the Tory party in that election, surely. So the Tories are going to have a different leader. Corbyn is probably not going to be ousted over that six-month period. So it probably is Corbyn who is very unpopular against a new Tory leader who could be more popular. Now, I know you've said before, go on, who is that Tory leader who's more popular? Well, I think it's not not impossible to see. I mean, I think Sajid Javid is one candidate who probably, I think, would be more popular um, than Theresa May. I think, you know, I don't really have anything to go on other than gut instinct. Um, so maybe that's wrong. But it seems to me that your suggestion of the plague on both houses is based on the current status rather than how the parties could change. Um, Second point, I'll be quicker on my remaining two, I promise, um, is Labour's polling, it's really striking how much it's taken a hit from from about a month ago, around the time the independent group split. Uh, Really, it's just, it's dropped about five or six points where the Tories have stayed about level. It really has done some uh, fairly sustained damage um and you know that's it's sort of really that's something that they have to get back you can't win an election from the low to mid 30s um at least not with the tories doing how they're doing that so um that's a real challenge for labor it's not just about the playground both their houses of this very specific problem they have with their pro-european um center-left or centrist voters Final point, uh, one that I quite enjoyed looking at the the Maury tables is that uh, 
uh, Vince Cable is coming ever closer to being the most popular of the three party leaders, which I just think is a lovely way for him to bow out. <laughs> That's not really related to a general election and how it would go, though, is it? You just wanted to shoehorn. It's not, but I wanted to say <laughs> you wanted to shoe that shoehorn that in. Um, I mean, on your points, I mean, I think that if there's an, the, the sooner there's an election, the more likely I think Labour are to profit from it. That's just my personal opinion. Um, if an election um, doesn't come until 2021, 2022, um, you can see how the independent group or whatever it manifests itself into becomes more of a thing um, more of an established entity that could take votes off labor whereas right now i don't think that they're gonna i, I mean I, I stand i'll prepared to be stand corrected but i don't think they're really prepared to do very much if an election comes in the next couple of uh, weeks or even the next couple of months i mean i take your point on theresa may going yes but uh, another scenario that's interesting for the independent group is what happens now if there is a European election, which does seem in- entirely plausible. I mean, surely that is a thing that accelerates th- their existence. Like, I don't know what process needs to be gone through for them to be formed as a party, but surely a European Parliament election now is UKIP versus the independent group as one and two. Maybe, although maybe, maybe maybe not. I, I, I'm not quite sure. I still think that you know, we have to, we can't underestimate how Labour and the Conservatives do have a uh, something to say about any election that's going to be nationwide in this country just because of logistical reasons, the number of candidates, funding, etc. But going back to the general election point, I mean, um, yes, okay, I accept that if Theresa May goes, and it's not quite clear how that mechanism would work vis-a-vis a general election if it's quite soon. But, if, it, but if, if Theresa May goes, yeah, okay, to some extent all bets are off. Um, and and what, when I say I'd rather be Labour, I'm kind of more predicating that on the idea that it is May versus Corbyn too, because you know, we all enjoyed 2017 so much. Let's uh, let's uh, do it again. Um, but I think another point I would make on the um, on the Labour side is that yes, they have dropped in the polls, but they recovered last time. I'm not, and again, I'm not going to be someone that predicts that the same surge in the polls happens again. But I don't think we can rebut it as easily as I think some people have, that that might happen. I mean, Labour came from a much lower base last time uh, than they would this time, and they managed to recover in the polls. Um, Corbyn is back down where he was, and yet they're still better in the polls than they were um, back in 2017. And when you look beyond Brexit at some of the polling around what are the issues that people are concerned about, I mean... It's things like the NHS, of course, it always is, right? But things like poverty and inequality are coming up a lot more than they used to. Yeah, but if uh, that's true, then why why are Labour doing so badly? And what? Well, I mean, that should be priced into the current polling. And, right? thing, and things like crime as well. But I, I just don't know that that's where people's attention is. And I guess one of my hypotheses is that if there is an election again, attention might move on beyond Brexit even now in ways that people don't quite can't quite predict and can't quite sort of um, you know see happening uh, as as we sit here recording this so i don't know i mean yes if may goes i fully accept it does change the dynamics of everything although i shouldn't i don't think we should assume that anybody that comes in is more popular than she is i mean yes she is very unpopular right now um, but there's no guarantee, let's say, if Boris Johnson was to become Prime Minister, that the Tory party is any more united or that he is any more popular as Prime Minister. It may just be that um, it also doesn't change the maths in Parliament either. So it may just be that, you know what, people just don't rate this government uh, and they want something to change. And that change may be um, supporting Labour. Um, but look, as I said earlier today, I'm not going out of my way to predict a Labour victory. And maybe that's a bit of a cop out. But I still think that you'd in a world where both the opposition and the incumbent are very, very wildly unpopular, I think I'd rather be the opposition uh, narrowly, uh, although I do accept Corbyn's ratings are pretty terrible. But I'll give you the final word today, Leah. 
yeah but i would rather be the government that can that can change leader and then fight an election than the opposition that realistically can't well, that's gonna, yeah. I guess that's that's at the that's at the center of the debate. But I mean, listeners, let us know what you think. I, mean, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Um, if you like what you hear, as ever, please do share us on social media. Give us a like on our Facebook page. Give us a positive rating or comment on iTunes and other podcast apps. We are now on Spotify, which you'll know if you're listening to this on Spotify. But if you're not and you uh, like listening to Spotify, then you can find Polling Matters on there now too. But anything you can do to uh, share the word, as it were, spread the word about the podcast very much helps us. And uh, you know, comment on what you've heard today. You know, Challenge us. Uh, tell us what you disagree with or what you want to hear on future podcasts. Um, it all helps uh, improve the show and uh, you know um, get more people interested in what we're doing. So we very much appreciate that. But for now, <laughs> with trepidation, it should be said, uh, let's see what happens in the next couple of days and the next couple of weeks on Brexit. And we'll be back to discuss what public opinion thinks. Um, but for now, thanks for listening.